0: Three, two, one. This is Chargers Unleashed Podcast. Here are your hosts, Dan Wolkenstein and Jake Hefton. Welcome to Chargers Unleashed. Dan Wolkenstein and special guest Ryan Dyer from LAFB Network. We've got a great show for you guys today. We're going to go through all things Chargers draft picks, two through seven rounds as well as UDFAs, as well as some late-breaking news. Bryce Callahan is the latest Chargers. But before we get into any of that, uh, this episode is brought to you by TickPick, Online, Golden Road Brewery, Charger Bolt Family, and UFC Fit in Temecula. Ryan Dyrud, how are you, my friend?
1: What's up, brother? Well done. You don't usually do the intros, so... I uh, only took three tries. You did good. <laughs> you sounded good.
0: Third um, time is a charm.
1: But thanks for having me. You know, shout-out to... Uh, Jake, I'll let you talk about it, but uh, he'll be back here soon. But I, I'm very honored to fill in in his stead for the time being.
0: Yes, uh, our thoughts are with Jake. We're, we're thinking of him. He'll be back soon. Uh, big, big shoes to fill. I can't do ad read to save my life. So, Ryan, you get to do uh, the bet online ad read whenever you'd like to do it. But before we get into that, yeah, you, my friend, and many of our LAFB counterparts, were in Las Vegas for the NFL draft. You got to kind of see everything live, up close, and personal. Real quick, before we get into all of the draft picks, selections, our feedback, and Bryce Callahan news, how was the draft for you? Any kind of anything stand out? Anything that was like, "Damn, I got to go back to the draft next year."
1: Yeah, draft was great. It was a blast. Uh, I know you joined us virtually on day two and got about three words in um, with all the the drunk drunkenness of the people in the room live, uh, there, which, uh, was a blast, but it was just like trying to talk over people. (laughs) I was going back and editing some of the shows and there was like four conversations going on. I'm like, well, I don't know if people are enjoying this or not, but I think the analysis was good, but, but no, I mean, it was a blast, you know, Vegas always does things in a fun way. We were kind of talking Dan on day three, uh, when we were doing our final stream that kind of just saying like what our thoughts were of the draft in Vegas, and while Vegas did a great job, I don't think they really missed on a lot of things. I think the draft itself is better phased in a, a different city where because think of it like this, like it was in Cleveland last year. It's in Kansas City next year. When you go to those cities for the draft, you are there strictly for the draft where draft was in Vegas. It was a blast, but people were excited about the draft, but then they're excited about gambling. They're excited about drinking. They're excited about clubbing. It's it's just a different vibe. So it There's was so it was many still- other things. Yeah, and it was still a ton of people there in their jerseys. I mean, everyone saw how the setup was just, you know, I don't know what the exact numbers were, but the city was packed with NFL fans, but it just didn't have the full draft vibe. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but it wasn't the full draft vibe that you get in other like football towns, but, but it was a blast. We had a great time, uh, met a lot of cool players, a lot of cool media people and uh, can't wait for next year.
0: Yeah, it looked packed. A uh, shout out to Jen Mills fan of the year, got to do a day three pick on behalf of the Chargers uh, we got ourselves a star in yeah, LA. Yeah, I,
1: I have a bone to pick with that though, because I was watching the NFL Network stream, Thank and you. we saw her walking on stage. We were doing our stream like I was going to record Jen? it for. Her. Where's Jen? And yeah, we were literally watching it, and all of a sudden it cut to like like a, a highlighter or like a commercial or something.
0: So. Yeah. And did you notice? I don't know if you saw this because you were there, but it seemed like every damn time the Chargers had a pick, they go to commercial.
1: Yeah. I uh, I I heard anyway from someone that ESPN for sure did that. We didn't watch the ESPN stream, Um but NFL Network was not as bad? But yeah, it seemed like they they cut a lot after round one.
0: <laughs> yep, but uh, but hey, here we are. So uh, hot off the press before we get into all of the NFL draft stuff, literally minutes before we come on to record, we got a new Chargers cornerback to help fill out the roster, Bryce Callahan, newest member of the Los Angeles Chargers, former Denver Bronco. You have seen him. He's had quite the time with Vic Fangio, with Brandon Staley. There's been a lot of kind of symmetry between those few guys. Tell us about Bryce Callahan, what we're getting, and how this helps the Chargers going into the season. Yeah, I
1: mean, it's a huge signing. If you're, if you're a betting man and you read uh, my Chargers mock-free agency, I actually had Callahan... Going to the Chargers because it just makes too much sense. And uh, speaking of betting, we'll get this out of the way right now since you mentioned it. You've got to check out our partners, Bet Online. They continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. You can find all the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NBA and NHL playoffs. NHL just kicked off yesterday. I don't know if you're a hockey fan out there, but mm. NHL playoffs are the best playoffs in sports. Um, you got the MLB going on as well, plus the Kentucky Derby's coming up. Plenty of stuff to bet on. Super easy to get started. Head to the website today. It's betonline.ag. You can use your mobile device or desktop and just use our promo code BELIEVE. That's B-L-E-A-V, and you get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. So if you bet on the Chargers to take a corner in free agency, well, they took, hopefully they (laughs) took the over because they got two now with Bryce Callahan. And I love this signing, Dan. First of all... It gives him so much depth, great depth. Bryce Callahan, three years ago when he was signed by the Broncos, I know this is you know going back in time, but he was the, I think, number three rated corner uh, of all corners. And I think he was the number one rated nickel slash slot corner. So he really fills that true need for the Chargers to have that slot guy. Now you can have JC and Asante on the outside. Uh, you can have Mike Davis. I mean, I would assume you kind of would view Callahan as your CB three, and now Davis can be CB four, which might be the best CB four in all of football. <laughs> um, and we'll get to the draft picks, which I have some thoughts about. You know, JT Woods and what they took there as well. But just in the signing, Bryce Callan does so many things well. He's got great uh, motor, side and sideline, The speed is there. Um, he's a great cover guy. He can put his nose to the football. His biggest knock, honestly, is health. Health. Uh, unfortunately, even with the, the his time with the Broncos, I don't think he played a single full season. So that is definitely his biggest knock. But I think because he's not going to be seen as that number one or number two corner and more of a depth piece slash kind of slot starter, uh, it hopefully will take some of the pressure off. But obviously knows the scheme very well. I think it's literally the only scheme he's played in because he was in Chicago with Fangio and Staley, followed them out to Denver when Staley was there for one year. And Fangio obviously was the head coach and then now come to the stay with the Chargers. So slam dunk signing. Super cheap, I think. What was it? A, a couple mil for one season, one year deal. So, yeah, great job.
0: It's uh it's kind of wild to think about the Chargers' secondary roster right now. Like like you said, the fact that Mike Davis, which I'd be shocked if he falls down to C B four, which I think if anyone knows Brandon Staley's scheme, he doesn't really have like C B one, two, three, four, he just has a bunch of guys that he deploys all over yeah. the place. I don't but know to
1: yeah, ma- get people saying that. Yeah.
0: I I would imagine he probably would get like the I would think Mike Davis would get the third most snaps out of the cornerback room and Bryce Callahan probably gets fourth most snaps, but who knows? But the fact that Bryce Callahan or Mike Davis is now your CB4 on a Chargers defense with Asante Samuel Jr. and J.C. Jackson and Derwin James, and like you mentioned, uh, some of the draft picks that we've gotten, wild. Wild. Uh, I don't think, since I have been covering a fan of this team, I don't remember there being a secondary as deep. Which is so weird to say, considering like just a year ago we were all bitching and complaining about like Tavon Campbell and Keeman Hall and issues that we had at depth. No fault of theirs, but we just got decimated by injury. Um amazing how in one offseason, all of a sudden, another weakness turns into a strength.
1: Yeah, it's the beauty of the offseason, right? You can really flip the script and they did such a good job. And it really since Staley's come in, really, you can tell his involvement in the roster building because they've done things very differently. in just these now two off seasons, this last one being his first real true off season after, you know, the first one he had to get hired, hire his staff and then turn focus to free agency in the draft. So this one is, it was basically from the end of the beginning of January, he could really focus on how to, how to build this roster out with, with players he wanted. And they've done a great job. I think all their weaknesses, they turned the strength two years ago. They had the worst offensive line in football. Now that's turned to somewhat of a strength. I know there's still some questions on the right side, which we'll get to, but overall it's a very, very upgraded task. The secondary, like you mentioned the pass rush, like, like we've talked about many times now. And I mean, what's great about this draft too, is uh, they got their six round pick back that they gave it for Khalil Max. So they literally gave, they basically used their second round pick to draft Khalil back.
0: Sounds, sounds good to me. All right, so let's get into it. So, uh, Bryce Callahan, newest Charger. And we got a bunch of new Chargers to talk about that were drafted either in the draft or signed as undrafted free agent. Uh, let's go day two, day three, the new DFA. So day two, I think all of us were kind of expecting it to be a bit of a struggle if the Chargers did not trade back or trade up. Day three, we have to wait a bit. But day two, we were hoping we get to day, to pick number 79. Hopefully, there's a guy there. I know there's a bunch of guys that people are clamoring for and the Chargers kind of went in a different direction than some of us thought at first. They go JT Woods, the safety out of Baylor, we're number 79. And then in day three, round four, they go Isaiah Spiller, the stud running back on AM. So I think both of those were probably picks that people weren't necessarily expecting at first. But then after the press conferences, after you start to get an understanding of who these guys are and their archetypes and what the Chargers needed... Uh, it really makes a lot of sense. Uh, first, let's start yeah. off with JT Woods. The kid's a freak. Freak athlete, mm-hmm. long, lengthy. He's, I think, a tri-sport athlete. Uh, yeah. And he's what the charge looking for. And people saw safety, quote-unquote, and people freaked out. Can't believe he got a safety when he had Nazir Adderley and he had Derwin James. Folks have to remember, and Ryan, I know you've talked about this quite a bit. Ad nauseum. In the Brandon Staley defense... They do not have corners and safeties. Like they literally have linemen. Then they have like the middle section, whatever you call them, linebackers, I guess. And then you have the secondary. It's that, that's it. And they interchange the secondary all over the place. So just imagine all of these secondary cornerslash safety guys you picked up as one group. So as a secondary player, JT Woods makes total sense. And honestly, I think he brings kind of the length. Similar to a Mike Davis, but I think he's a little bit more twitchy than Mike Davis. Uh, I like him, and I think Daniel Jeremiah had him ranked pretty damn high as well. So, uh, good pick. I thought the Chargers did okay with that. Again, it took us a bit to understand and kind of mm-hmm. get a sense because I don't think he's on many draft boards uh, or mock drafts. But what would you think of the pick?
1: Yeah, not. I mean, not I many to the Chargers specifically. Obviously, like you mentioned, Daniel Jeremiah has him rated high for you know other teams. I love the pick. I mean, I'm on my uh, I try to not. Be too optimistic all the time, but I'm just naturally more optimistic and I can see upside on a lot of things, whereas some other people are more doom and gloom and like they almost look at the negatives. Um, but I mean you hit the nail on the head, and I've said it so many times that I'm sure people are sick of hearing it. But you know, in in the Staley defense and and really even a lot of defense at the NFL today, not just Staleys. I mean, there's a lot of defense that do this, but you have defensive backs, you don't necessarily have corners and safeties. Obviously, certain guys do certain things well. But if you look at JT Woods and being, like you mentioned, a multi-sport athlete, you know, led the team in interceptions last year, anytime your safety is leading your team in interceptions, it probably means he's a ball hawk. Probably means the guy can cover, probably means the guy can play all over the field, which is what they're seeing as. And and he's going to be utilized in a number of different ways. Um, Now, obviously you have more time to develop him if you need to be with the signing of Bryce Callahan, but I thought this was a fantastic signing just because outside of Derwin James, I know Nasir Adelie is still like a, a very promising player, but he had some injury concerns. Um, I don't think you're, if we're looking strictly at safety, you know, I don't think Alohi Gilman is someone that people want as the starting safety next to Derwin. So, I mean, you're adding another guy that gives you more depth. They had Mark Webb last year who I was pretty high on, even with how late he was drafted, but, but he was unhealthy all year. So you just add more depth to not only the safe room, but specifically the defensive back room and a guy that can really play all over the place. So everyone that was, you know, it's It gets to, That point down where in recruiting a lot of times when when you're looking at like college programs and who they're recruiting, a lot of players that play corner or safety under the recruitment umbrella, they don't even put CB or or safety, they put ATH, meaning like athlete. It's just a dude that can Uh, is an athlete and can cover and kind of play all over. I wish they would almost do that in the draft. So fans would say, Okay, we drafted a defensive athlete, and not be like, Wow, we don't need another safety. It's like, well, no, you need another athlete in the back end second an athlete on the back end in spades. So I, I thought the pick was fantastic and and now with Bryce Callahan healthy people can freaking settle down and relax that they yes. a guy and, with and a again, DB we, next we, to his name.
0: We talked about athlete, okay? So this guy had a RAS score of 9.43 which is elite Pretty and good. some of the testing numbers he had were insane. 40 times, 4.36, that might be the fastest on this team to be honest. Uh, 39 and a half inch vertical, 10.10 10 feet, eight inch broad jump. And the kid's a ball hawk, honestly. Uh, I, I honestly think he's going to be used a lot more than folks realize. And imagine him as a special teamer as well, bringing speed as a gunner. Yeah. So, what was your,
1: what was your uh, high jump, Dan?
0: What was your vertical? <laughs> like 16, in 16 inches, maybe. <laughs> honestly, I have no idea. I, I sh- we should do that.
1: You never well, well, did. Well, did you play any sports in high school?
0: I didn't play sports that needed a that needed a vert. No. Okay.
1: Okay. <laughs> I I mine was a touch over thirty five back in my heyday.
0: Ryan, thirty five yeah. inch vert. White men can jump, huh?
1: I know. I could dunk a volleyball at five, five, six, five, seven. I can't can you, anymore. On my verge, probably less than sixteen now.
0: But can you can you dunk a basketball?
1: No, because my hands were too small, so I couldn't <laughs> palm it. So I would basically like throw, but the volleyball I could palm enough that I could get
0: over the rim. So you're the, you're, the, you're the Kenny Pickett of volleyball.
1: Exactly. Like, don't give a <laughs> go Give me a Whopper. Give me the Whopper Junior unless my hands look real small.
0: Fair. Okay. So we get our, we get our secondary piece. Again, I think that was a yeah. big need. Folks were clamoring for his cornerback help. I think he's going to be in that specific secondary role. Because
1: uh, yeah. last thing, Dan, because, again, this is why people – I hate that just that the letters next to the name – If the Chargers drafted, say, the same name, JT Woods, and he had CB next to his name, everyone would have been pumped. Because everyone was thinking maybe CB in the first round. So everyone would have been like, all right, cool. We got our corner, but because he had SAF next to it, everyone's freaking out. But this was a great pick, guys. This is a great athlete.
0: Yeah, and again, for folks who have not gotten a chance to listen, we did already have our uh, recap video for day one where we got Zion Johnson, which we all love. I think he was not necessarily the quote-unquote sexy pick, although... Some might think this is the sexy pick. Uh, It was the right pick for the Chargers needed at the time. Uh, Round four, Ryan. Isaiah Spiller, running back, Texas A&M. The guy's a stud. I think most people have him uh, between RB1 and 4. Usually it was 2 or 3. Chargers go running back, round four. I would argue this is a steal for Isaiah Spiller. Uh, Finally getting some depth and some help for Austin Eckler. And as you'll see coming up here, we got some increased uh, value in offensive line help as well. So Isaiah Spiller, I think, is going to get a lot more touches than people realize. And I think it was probably a bigger need than I think po- folks would actually give credit to going into the season. Everyone talked about Austin Eckler and how great he is, which he is. But he has been clamoring for three years now to get someone to help him take the load off so that he can focus on being him and not have to be that every down back. Because as great as he is, Like you don't want him getting that much ground and pound hits all the time. And CJ Spiller, like that's what he's built for.
1: Yeah. 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 Uh, Isaiah Spiller, CJ Spiller was a great running back for the Buffalo bills, but
0: (laughs) I can't get the name right today.
1: (laughs) Just, just leave it. Just leave it. You're good. Uh, (laughs) Home run pick. Absolutely. Love this pick. Um, you know some would say it wasn't a huge need especially cuz they've taken running a running back in the last two drafts consecutively it's my opinion and many out there that you should just take a running back every single year at some point in the draft because hate to say it love running backs as people love what they bring to a team but value wise especially when it comes to the cost control it makes more sense to have just a, a stable Returning every year instead of signing one guy to a big contract. So, uh, for those people that are worried that they drafted one last year and the year before, and Kelly and Roundtree, it's like let's you keep it going every year. But Spiller himself is a, is a slam dunk um, pick, I think. He's you know three years starter essentially, almost a thousand yards every single year. His freshman year had like nine sixty four, so just <laughs> a touch under a thousand. Um, you know he had twenty plus receptions every single year at Texas A and M you know, played in a Jimbo Fisher offense that is very, you know, pro friendly. It's not that, that like air raid college style where you have some concern and guys going up into the pros, like a Jimbo Fisher, uh, player, exactly. Jimbo Fisher offensive player is going to be fairly ready for the NFL right off the bat. Um, you know, he's a big body dude. He runs between the tackles. I just think it's a great pick. I think he's the automatic CB2. And I would argue he's kind of like C B1B because now you don't have to rely on Eckler to do as much. Who, as good as Eckler is, he really hasn't been able to finish seasons lately due to injuries. Had you know, obviously the big injury two years ago, and the last year got kind of banged up a little bit here and there. So now you can take the pressure off him. And really that will just, in my opinion, unleash since this is Charters Unleashed, unleash like Austin Eckler even more. Because you don't have to use him as much and put as much wear, and then when he is in the game, he's that much fresher. So, I think this is a slam dunk pick, and now it's now it's kind of seeing which of Kelly and Roundtree, if either, makes this roster.
0: Which that's going to be the interesting part as we get to the as we get to the UDFA's later on. There are some guys that are going to be breathing down their necks for them to be able to actually stay on this team. So, running back is going to be a training camp battle to watch. Uh, question for you, though, Ryan. I have my feelings. Where are we going to see the impact of Isaiah Spiller the most in game? It's mm, a question.
1: Um, I mean, we'll have to obviously see kind of how the depth chart shakes out in, in training camp and whatnot, but just on service level from seeing what we saw in college and seeing how they really could not solidify a, a running back to last year. I mean, I, I honestly anticipate at this point him to get, you know, seven to 12 touches a game whether that's, I'm not saying it's just a goal line guy, but I think he'll be that, that guy that comes in to spell Eckler on long drives. Like we could see him on the opening drive, get three carries if, uh, if it's a long sustained drive. So, so I think he'll have an impact right off the bat.
0: Yeah. And and I think the, the part that we saw, uh, unfortunately unfold constantly was the chargers kind of were handcuffed a bit because of the lack of consistency with kind of the ground and pound feeling and getting a Zion Johnson, getting Isaiah Spiller, I think where you're going to see his impact felt the most is going to be like late in crunch time situations, end of mm-hmm. games, when you need one drive to kill the clock, kill the game, and go out and win it. And you third and one, fourth and two, those kinds of things. Having him and Eckler, imagine both of them in the backfield.
1: Well, here's a, here's a good example, Dan. Fourth and one on the Las Vegas Raiders 18 yard line. Yeah. Now you don't have to run Austin Eckler up the middle. I mean you'd probably want a different play altogether, but at least you have a back like Isaiah Spiller that could actually maybe get you that one yard. No, no, no shot at Austin Eckler, but I think he would tell you a bigger back would be more abled for that position.
0: <laughs> but but imagine but imagine fourth and one, right? Your own 18, you got Austin Eckler to the left of Herbert, you got Isaiah Spiller to the right. You could either run draws both sides from either one, you could have them go out on on option routes. You can go out to the screens. I mean, there's so many things you could do. So I think Isaiah Spiller is going to turn into a fan favorite pretty quickly. Uh, fourth round pick, 123. Honestly, I think he was huge value here. Uh, and I think at this point, Ryan, I don't know what your thoughts were, but I think there was a subset of Chargers fans at this point that were like sweating because mm-hmm. Chargers didn't get Jameson Williams, they didn't get Olave. Thankfully, they didn't go for penning, which I think a lot of folks were happy about. Uh, But there were so many receivers the Chargers could get. And long story short, the Chargers ended up not getting a receiver in the draft. Um, Guys like Cal Austin, guys like uh, Bo Melton, Danny Gray, all left. Chargers were able to get all of them. All of them fell, actually, more so than we thought they were going to. Mm -hmm. Uh, Chargers didn't get them. So at this point, right, Isaiah Spiller's picked. Chargers are like, well, okay, here we go. And the next pick afterwards, round four with Isaiah Spiller. Round five goes to your guy, UCLA defensive tackle, Otito Og- Ogbania. You can say his name better than I can. You know it's him a, better than I it's do. It's
1: Obonia. It's just Obonia. It's nice and simple.
0: Tell it's, us about him.
1: Easier than it looks.
0: Big dog up front.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We can get into, you know, more receiver talk last, last thing real quick. Sorry to go back real quick on Spiller. And I know this isn't a fantasy show, but, but we talked about when the pick came in because everyone plays fantasy and it it can kind of correlate to, to, you know, on the play field, obviously it's pulling straight to statistics, but, but we thought he went to the third best situation of all rookie running backs, uh, in terms of production they can have next year. I I think James Cook, who went to Buffalo will be a very, very good spot for him. And, uh, obviously Brees Hall went to the Jets just because he was the first back taken. You would think he'd have some good utilization there, but, but I think, uh, I think, you know, Isaiah Spiller to the chargers is going to be extremely utilized. So just to kind of continue on that path, but, um, yeah, you know, you go round five and, and they don't go receiver, which to me, I think was just. I think there was just too much time in the offseason season for people to talk about it. I mean, I, I, I don't think that was a set in my opinion, such a huge need for the Chargers. but when you have three months to dissect the Chargers roster, and then all of a sudden all of Twitter got behind taking a speed receiver, it just, that became like the talking point. Right. Um, Tito Abonia, though, is a phenomenal, phenomenal D tackle. Played for UCLA. So, obviously, I watched him a lot all year. Uh, great value here in the fifth round. Obviously, just a, a huge human being. Played alongside last year with Oso Digizua, who was drafted in the fourth round by the Cowboys. And, you know, everyone talked about uh, Micah Parsons on the Cowboys, but Oso Digizua had a very close second, you know, best rookie. Uh, rookie defensive year. Uh, That's how good he was with the Cowboys. So uh, I think Atito Abonia can have similar projection. And again, we talked about before, you take a weakness on this team and now make it a strength by adding Sebastian Joseph Day, adding Austin Johnson, and now you add abonia in the draft and you know it's just a guy that is a great run stuffer He can also rush the quarterback from the inside i think he has more elusiveness than probably people will see from just his size and frame but he can really kind of bend around you know those those guards and centers uh but i think his his well he'll earn his keep is in that run defense which obviously was the biggest need of this Chargers defense so uh it's just i think it's a great value pick in the in the fifth round a guy that really can have legit production and playing time like early on in rotation, which last thing I'll say, and I'll jump to you because I'm getting long-winded here in this true, not, again, not just, we always say steely defense, which is obviously true, but even just the modern defense, it's better to have six or seven defensive line bodies. That you can keep fresh, rotate in and out, than have your three starters. They're going to play 90, 90% of the time. Like that's just not the best way to play defense in today's age, especially with how fast these offenses are and how quickly they're calling plays. So uh, it's just a great value pick there in the fifth.
0: Yeah. And this is, we heard Brandon Staley talk about the team being rugged and more uh, physical on both sides of the offensive defensive line. And you kind of saw those fingerprints all over this draft. And, and Otito is another one. I mean, the kid's jacked when it comes to like upper half body strength. Like I do not want to get in a punching fight with this guy. Um, And putting him in that interior defensive line along with those guys you mentioned, like the goal is to keep these guys fresh and in a rotation and allow them to do what they do best. Uh, we saw the Chargers did not pick up the fifth-year option for Tillery. I honestly, not, regardless of what they do with him after this year, I feel like he's going to become more of like a bulk edge rusher versus the interior defensive line. And honestly, that's probably best for him because I think he's better as a pass rusher than he is stopping the run. Uh, so again, beefing up interior defensive line, I think it was a huge, huge... Uh, goal for this year and obviously they went ahead and did that uh moving into around six okay <laughs> two guys here jazeer taylor out of wake forest and then arguably the most value high pick we've gotten in the draft at all jamari sollier the guard out of georgia flexible has played all five positions the guy's a stud huge honestly i think people thought he's gonna go third fourth round I thought he was going to be gone third, fourth, round. I couldn't believe that he was still there in round six. Chargers BFL offensive line to go with Zion Johnson. And honestly, Ryan, both of these guys could be starting guards in the NFL. And with them, along with Filer, potentially Ibushi, we'll see what happens with him. You got Rasan Slater, you got Corey Lindsley. You got Trey Pipkin, Storm Norton. Like, there's so many guys. Brennan Hymas. And Hymas. You got so much flexibility now where – when they originally drafted Zion Johnson, they were saying, you know, they see him as, as a right guard, and that's it. But then you go and draft this guy. I mean, Filer, Johnson, and Sawyer, all three of them, in theory, could play guard and tackle.
1: Yeah. So, uh, it's-
0: I don't know. Like, it'll be fun to see training camp where these guys end up. But the, the good news is, Chargers have offensive line depth. For seemingly the first time in a decade. Still, yeah. maybe something to do right tackle, but overall, this is crazy.
1: Yeah, absolute home run pick, I think, with Salier. And, um, you know, you mentioned it, you know, he played on the other side of Andrew Thomas at Georgia, who is obviously a first round pick by the Giants. And, you know, it, 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 we talked about it on our show. When you get this late in the draft, and we could obviously get in the depth of Salyer as a player and his experience and his size and his build and playing tackle, the versatility, being able to play guard. But also you look at pedigree, right? And th- there's that saying, don't draft the helmet, draft the, the player, right? And it's it's that it goes back to, especially when you look at quarterbacks. And I know there was it was talked a lot last year with Justin Fields because there's the pedigree of Ohio State quarterbacks that have never made the transition to NFL, like literally – any of them really. Um, so there's the people like, why? Well, maybe it's just the Ohio State system or pedigree. But then there's the other people like, no, you draft the prospect. Like we're looking at Justin Fields individually. I think mean, that's very true, especially with quarterbacks, but for sure in like rounds one through two, maybe even three. But once you're getting to those later rounds and you're kind of just throwing darts at a board anyway, you kind of want to look at school pedigree. And when you look at Georgia, not just the history, but specifically last year, that was the national championship team that put up. Insane numbers, obviously on defense, but still had a very solid offense with guys like George Pickens on the outside. And obviously, the kind of question marks at that, that quarterback. But then you look at James Cook in the running back room and you look at that offensive line and what they're able to do. And Salier in his own right is a great player, as we mentioned, with the size, the intangibles, the experience. But also, you just kind of look at, hey, this is a guy we're taking in the sixth round, played for Georgia, started with Andrew Thomas as well, who was a first round pick. And you kind of start saying, if we're going to throw a dart, like, do we want to throw a dart at a guy from Sioux Falls or do we want to throw a dart at a guy that played at Georgia and won national championship? So uh it's a great pick. You said everything else about it. It just adds so much more depth to this offensive line that they haven't had in years. And you know, at this point, I think we all just have to trust this front office that they kind of know what they want to do at right tackle. And I think they you don't you're not drafting two guards while also having filer and, you know, Brendan Hymas on the roster with not having any clue what you're doing at right tackle. They obviously have a plan in place, whether that's moving someone over or they just really trust Trey Pipkin's development over the last offseason. So um, I'm kind of in that camp where great draft pick there, more depth, but I think they have a plan all together and what they want. Because you don't just draft with no plan, right?
0: Yeah. So question then for you. With Sawyer and, and Slater and Filer and uh, Johnson... And then of course Pipkins, and of course Corey Lindsley at center, yeah, Lindsley. And he also has Storm Norton. Do the Chargers have their right tackle on their roster currently?
1: I think there's some vets out there that I I think they'll they'll make calls for. I think you bring someone else in the training camp. Um, I truly believe, especially after you know talking to you. Um, and I'll, after listening to some press conferences, I'm kind of leaning towards they feel good about Trey Pipkins, it seems like. I don't think it's Storm Norton necessarily, but at least they know he can play it. Maybe not well, but, at but they but last year,
0: they played action. it last
1: year. Um, but I think they, they truly think Pipkins has made that leap. I mean, he th- showed in two games last year, a definite improvement and then has been training with Rashawn Slater and Duke Mayweather. Who's one of the best in the business at, at, you know, private training, who's spoken very, very highly of him, but I still think they bring maybe another vet in the training camp, um, to either push him or just as a backup plan, um, or, you know, we could even see an, an early season addition when Ode Ibushi went down last year, they signed Michael Schofield who had familiarity with the organization kind of off the street. So I don't know if they're necessarily done yet, but I truly do believe that they at this point seem pretty confident in who they have. Um, and I I could be way wrong on this, but I personally lean that way as opposed to the the ones that think they're going to kick Filer out to, to tackle. I think they're going to keep him at guard.
0: Yeah, it, it seems like that's just a lot of noise and a lot of movement. And I think when I'm talking about wanting to keep the left side strong, which honestly, now they have both left and right side strong, except for the tackle position. Uh, I think you want to stay as consistent as you can. I mean, imagine if they could just get average. Like if Trey Pipkins, Storm Norton, or whoever, Sawyer, it doesn't matter, can just be an average right tackle. And you can go average right tackle, and then you can have Zion Johnson, Corey Lindley, Matt Filer, Rashawn Slater, like that, is a great offensive line. It won the Chargers. I've not seen in a decade plus. Uh, oh yeah.
1: Well, and the, and the and the one thing I will say, because I I agree with you, and I I said it already. I think they keep Filer at that guard position, but by drafting now two guards and still having like we mentioned, um, Himes Himes on the roster. If let's say they start the season off with with Pipkins at tackle, they go they go Slater, Filer, Lindsay, Lindsley. Um, uh, uh, Zion Johnson and then uh, Trey Pipkins. And let's say the first game, like Pipkins just gets put through the washer and doesn't look good. Well, then they have the versatility, like, okay, you know what? Let's kick Filer out, and now we can either slide in um, Salier or Hymas to that left guard. You spot, got backup and, plans, and we're not like, yeah, we're not screwing ourselves over, and we still have more depth. So, um, and obviously, you didn't re sign Scott Questenberry, so one of those guys is going to have center versatility also, just in the god forbid Corey Lindsay gets hurt. So, um, I just, I just think they've, they've done a good job with roster construction and they've put themselves in a good spot and, and so many fans, um, which, you know, is their prerogative. Uh, I don't want to say telling, I'm just calling out fans, but it's like, they look so keenly position by position and the depth of that specific specific position and roster building isn't necessarily built that way. It's built as, especially the offensive line as a unit and as a unit, they got stronger at every position overall. And if your right tackle is still your weakness, obviously you would love to upgrade that as best you can. But if the guard next to him is that much better, that's just going to make that tackle's job that much easier and will give that that much more ability.
0: 100%. 100%. So roster construction. So end of day two, beginning and end of day three, we went... Defensive tackle, then we went guard, and then we started going cornerback. Again, corner, quote-unquote, but just, just call it DB. Uh, mm-hmm. Jazeer Taylor out of Wake Forest, the cornerback, and then Dean Leonard out of Old Miss. Uh, Jazeer Taylor, again, we're talking about 6th and 7th round picks here, guys. So we're thinking these guys, if they make the team, they're going to be having to contribute on special teams. And yeah. from there, if they can get themselves into a roster spot, Beautiful. I would say real quick, Jazeer Taylor, he kind of has the the smaller frame. He has that slot corner ability, in my opinion. Um, not the biggest guy, but I think he has really good instincts. He has really good click and close. Uh, he's pretty athletic, but again, for being undersized, it's tough to be on the outside. So I see him as kind of a Swiss Army knife on the inside uh, of this defensive scheme. And then of course, you know, if he, if he can do special teams, it's always a plus. Uh, and then after mm-hmm. that, of course, we went the other defensive back, Dean Leonard out of Ole Miss. Um, Again, Chargers going for depth. Chargers going to build special teams. I think everyone knew about it. And Ryan, you could think you and I talked about this last year. The Chargers' top end talent, you know, after they go get a J.C. Jackson, after they go get a Khalil Mack, the top end talent isn't really what has been the plague of this team. It's always been what happens next if a Derwin James goes out. What happens if? a Joy Bosa goes out? What happens if a J.C. Jackson or a Santa Samuel Jr. goes out? And that's when this Chargers team has been decimated and has been taken advantage of. And I think that's what you're seeing now is the Chargers are trying to fill out the bottom of their depth chart. There really weren't many starting positions even available on this roster. And so if you can get, you know, whatever it is, numbers 48 through 53 improved on your team for the roster, I think you're good. I think that's what the Chargers are looking to do. And round six, round seven, that's all it is. If you can find someone that can make an impact on your team in any way, it's a good pick.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and you know, I, I've said it a bunch last year, but just remember Brandon Staley was on that that Rams coaching staff when they drafted Jordan Johnson in the sixth round, Jordan Fuller, excuse me, who became their star starting safety and uh, impact player and, you know, had the green dot last year as a second year player. So um, 100% agree with you. Like at this point in the draft, you're drafting for special teams, you're drafting for character, you're drafting for just ceiling, you know, the hope of the athletic ability translating. Uh, but there's always the potential with, with coaching and development that these guys can end up having a bigger impact than expected. And that's just a cherry on top. No one should go into the season thinking Jossie or Taylor's Taylor's going to be, you know, starting outside of JC Jackson in the backfield, which I don't think anyone does, but no one should have that. But if, if he you know, gets called upon and ends up showing out in, in training camp or whatnot, then and that's just cherry on top. And, you know, kudos to him. And I mean, it's a guy that, you know, had 60 tackles and two picks and five fast pass breakups and a couple of fumble recoveries and Dean Leonard, same thing, 50 plus tackles. And, and so these guys were, you know, they were players in the SCC and the ACC and uh, put up p- good production. So it's not like they're guys that were just, you know, sitting at home and now we're just hoping they can transit over to the NFL. I mean, they were starting caliber guys at their schools respectively. So um, I think it's just good depth. And yeah, like you said, you want to, now you're at the point where you really want to continue building the special teams, which was improved last year, but still wasn't great and now you just add some potential players that either make that better or at least push the guys in front of
0: them to be better. 100%. And speaking of which, pushing guys to be better, uh, Chargers going in a unique direction in round seven. They Love go it. for the Mack truck himself. Uh, fullback, traditional, uh, Xander Horvath out of Purdue. This kid's a truck and also Monster. has some ridiculous RAS score for athletic traits. Like, I'm talking... Man, a 4'6 as a fullback, had a better high jump than you, Ryan, 35 and a half inches, and posted a three, excuse me, a six point seven five in the three cone. He's fast, he's durable, he's strong, and I don't necessarily think Gabe Neighbors was happy with this pick. And I, <laughs> I'm curious to see where he's used. Obviously, he's going to be put in special teams. I think that's where we're gonna see a lot from him. Um six foot, almost two thirty. 31 reps on the bench. I mean, the guy's a uh, Mack truck, like I said. So interesting how they're going here. And, and, I, and I think and one of the questions I asked you, Ryan, a lot of people you talked about before, a lot of people talk talking about the Chargers need to go speed, right? They talked about going like a Jameson Williams or a Lave or a Calvin Austin, or they need to get faster in the wide receiving core or offense or whatever. And like, would it be nice? Yes, I agree. It would be nice. But it seems to me, and I'm curious what you think, because you know Brand Staley more than anyone on this network. Uh, it seems to me he talked about the Chargers getting more uh, aggressive and also more balanced and tougher on both sides of the line. And it seems that now with the, what they've, the work they've put into the offensive line, the work they put into kind of the defense and getting the defensive line set up, and then going and getting Isaiah Spiller and going and getting a fullback and a Gerald Everett, like it feels like the team is trying to get tougher and more balanced to where it can effectively and efficiently carve you any way they want. Like they don't need to take the top off and get you in one play. They can go the Patriots route and do a 15 play drive. They can go the Titans route and just run it on your throats. They can go the Rams route. They can go the Packers. Like they're trying not to be handcuffed. So it seems to me, as much as people like to have had more speed, I'm not necessarily sure that's the most efficient way to win a championship. What say you?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a luxury, right. And there are some offense predicated it. And, you know, I think the charter's office to some extent still values that because how many times did Staley say like, we, we're going to throw it deep as much as we can. Like we, and we have Justin Herbert as the quarterback, we're going to throw it deep as much as possible. But, you know, I, I think people are discounting, like they brought, Jalen Guyton back for a reason, who is their speed guy. He's only 24 years old. It's not like he's an old dude. Like I know people wanted to upgrade him, but the charters brought him back for a reason. It wasn't to bring him back and then go use the second round pick to replace him. Um, obviously, if someone fell to them at that, I mean, they were in the second, but fell in the third. I, I don't think they would have, um, not done that. But because they brought him back, that allowed them to go BPA. And they, I think in every, in every really Round in this draft, they truly went best player available. And, you know, for me who covers the Rams also, this is very normal to me, kind of seeing how drafting specifically, not just for what need, but I know covering the chargers also, and many fans will recognize this in years past like Tom Telesco really went chalk in, okay, we need a, we need a corner. So we're taking a corner in this round. We need a tackle. We're taking a tackle in this round. And so I think fans got used to that. So that's why this draft, there was a lot of, I think people are now are starting to, you know, what are we three days removed or starting to say, okay, I I see the draft better on the surface. Like I loved it. And I started reading like boards and and Twitter and I'm like, man, a lot of people are pissed off about this draft. I thought it was a great draft, but it's because they didn't, Build it based upon, well, our biggest need was right tackle and we didn't take a right tackle. Well, we needed a speed receiver. We didn't take a speed receiver, but they did dip certain things in the offseason that uh, alleviated that and allowed them to really just not pigeonhole themselves. So to your point, I, I always get long-winded, but yes, having a speed guy is definitely a, a luxury, but also it is has a significant importance, but it's not the end-all be-all and you have a speed guy in Guy Dine. Again, I know it's not Jamison Williams. I know it's not even potentially Chris Alave. The stealing on those guys is much higher. But they got someone in Zion Johnson and they got someone in JT Woods, not that those guys were there in the third round, that gave them, I think, more positional value than who they would have taken at those two picks because they already had that luxury kind of taken care of. And, and who's to say they won't add someone else, you know, in free agency out there, there's always speed guys that crop up and, and stuff like that. And, and so I think they're not done building this roster completely, but, but yeah, I, I think, I think there's too much to be said or too much think tank going on when it comes to a speed receiver. And I think the way they've built their receiving room. You don't waste that kind of draft capital on that type of waste is a, is a bad word, but you don't use that type of draft capital yeah. on a player that in reality, if you're talking about a speed guy in this charters offense, he might get 12 snaps a game. I'm not using a 17th overall pick on a guy that we're going to use for 12 snaps and maybe get four receptions. Like that's just not what I want to do because we don't move the ball like that. We want to have those plays one, two, three times a game, and we can do that with Jalen Guyton. The Rams it, turned Van Jefferson into that, who's not a speed guy, but he kind of became their speed guy.
0: It, it it seemed to me that the Chargers, as much as as much as they could, went for like specific archetypes and athletic trait types rather than like a specific position. Like mm-hmm. you look at like the the Ras scores for some of these guys, like the 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 Xander Horvath had like a nine point eight three Ras score and ranked like I think in the top thirty of almost seventeen hundred running backs that were graded since, like, 87 or something crazy. Uh, You look at, you know, Jazir, I think, was great. JT Woods had a ridiculous score. Uh, Some of these guys with the bench presses they had. Like, it was ridiculous, but I think that's what the Chargers are looking for. They want athletes. They want to get more athletic or strong, one of the two, um, all over the board. And so uh, before before, before we get out of here, we've got to talk about the UDFAs. There's always... Kind of a diamond in the rough when it comes to UDFAs, as we all know. Antonio Gates, UDFA. We got Austin Eckler, UDFA. Chargers went and got 14, Ryan, 14 UDFAs. And we're not going to go through all of these guys. But of them, there was a handful that kind of stuck out to me that I wanted uh, listeners and viewers to kind of take a quick gander at. Um, I don't know if you had a chance to look at them. But a few of the guys that I liked, I want to talk about Trevon Bradford, Oregon State wide receiver. Uh, We we got Brandon Sebastian, the BC corner, secondary player. Uh, Really like him. So smart, the quote-unquote tight end from Old Dominion. Old Dominion, excuse me. And probably my favorite in this entire class is a one, Letty Brown, running back out of West Virginia. Uh, Both he and Kevin Marks, the running back out of Buffalo. Both are awesome. So right off the top, let's just start running back. Kevin Marks from Buffalo, Letty Brown from West Virginia. I wouldn't be shocked at all, Ryan, if both end up making the team before the other running back. Technically, three, four currently are on the team. Um, Letty Brown, I would put money on him making the team. Uh, anyone who has not seen it, I put up a quick highlight video on Twitter uh, about two minutes of him just trucking people, refusing to go down being that kind of physical presence. Not going to have crazy breakaway speed, but he will make the pile move. And then Kevin Mark, same thing, runs a little higher, not quite as physical, not quite as elusive, shifty, but gets the job done as well. Um, you watch their tape, Brian, both running backs, especially Letty Brown, to me, bring something that neither Josh Kelly or Larry Roundtree bring. And that's no slight to those two, but Letty Brown, to me, I think, just provides more value at this point.
1: Yeah, I mean, in the limited film I watched of Letty Brown, he kind of gave me Terrell Davis vibes. And, you know, anyone, anytime you bring up a Hall of Famer, people are like, whoa, pump the brakes, but Terrell Davis was a six-round pick. Remember, he was a backup at Georgia, started his career at my alma mater, uh, Long Beach State. So it wasn't a guy that came into the league with expectations because of the, the lack of breakaway speed, like you mentioned with Letty Brown. You watch Letty Brown, he almost looks like he is running slow but he's just making guys miss. His vision looks impeccable. And like you said, he just bowls people over. Uh, it just His legs never stop churning. And there's always the continual, um, you know he's going to get three, four, five, six yards after contact, which I think is what mm. made Terrell Davis so great and why he's in the Hall of Fame now and even just a, what, five, six-year career that he had because he was that guy that, you know, there could be nothing there, but he's still going to get you five, six, seven yards. Letty Brown... You know, great in between the tackles and never goes down at first contact, which God bless Austin Eckler, that's not necessarily in his game. Isaiah Spiller, I think has that in his game, but now you get an undrafted free agent that also has it in his game and he's going to be hungry to come and improve himself. So I love the Letty Brown ad. Um, Absolutely will be, you know, if like Terrell Davis, if he gets a chance, and he's eating hot dogs at halftime in a preseason game and then goes, makes a, a brutal hit on special teams. And that's how he makes the roster. Then, then, Hey, good night. That's a great way to do it. But, but I love that. son. I think he's, he definitely has potential
0: to make the roster. Yep. Uh, let's go quickly through a couple of these guys. So Oregon State wide receiver Trayvon Bradford. Uh, he has a little bit of slipperiness, slipperiness to him? I'm yeah. not sure what that word is. Uh, I see him kind of being the possession receiver. Had a little wiggle. Uh, not really going to blaze past you. You can go watch some highlights of him. Uh, he torched Ohio State at one in one game. I think he had like two touchdowns, like 100 yards or something against them. Uh, so some good pedigree there. Uh, and then the corners. So there was a Brandon Sebastian from Boston College. Have you had a chance to look at him, Ryan?
1: Yeah, I mean, Boston College produces great defensive backs. So that's, again, that's when you kind of go with the pedigree of the, the university and the program. Um, but yeah, I loved what I saw from him. You sent me a little clip of him as well, and I watched a little after that also.
0: Yeah, Brandon Sebastian, I think, has a very good chance of making this team. Again, we are talking about guys, UDFAs, that are going to make their mark either as a special teams player or bottom of the roster addition. And both Letty Brown and Brandon Sebastian, I can see both doing that. Uh, Brandon Sebastian had some pretty unique and pretty athletic plays at his time at Boston College, so uh, be on lookout for him. And then a sneaky one. Uh, Chargers signed Stone Smart out of Old Dominion as a quote-unquote tight end. Which I love the name, by the way, Stone Smart.
1: Yeah, Um, I know it's Stone.
0: He used to play quarterback, and... When you go back and you look at film from him, you'll see him playing receiver, quarterback, and tight end. Um, Honestly, when I saw him play at all positions, I almost felt that the Chargers were bringing him specifically to be a camp body and and act as if he is a Mahomes, a Russell Wilson, one of those athletic, outside-the-pocket quarterbacks for the Chargers defense to be able to kind of scheme up against. Not necessarily a tight end. I don't see him being a tight end for us, but... Mm. When you watch him and you watch what he looked like at quarterback, I can see like the Marcus Mariota type of if we could just have someone like that on our roster who can make our defense think and have to go up against someone athletically like that. I like it. So I'm not sure if he makes the team. I don't think they're going to carry three quarterback or four quarterbacks at this point, uh, but, or five tight ends. Um, Yeah. But it was interesting. I think he's going to be utilized differently than what his uh, position says on the roster.
1: Yeah. I mean he has the size, right? Six four, like two thirty-five to play that tight end. The last one I can remember it played quarterback in college and obviously at a bigger pedigree, but that that made that transition was Logan Thomas, who played quarterback, I believe was at Virginia or uh Virginia Tech, I think. And now he's obviously the tight end for uh been for he started off thing with Arizona. Now he's with Washington, and outside of health concerns, he's actually had a pretty good career as a tight end. And and so I agree with that. I don't know if he's brought in to necessarily make the roster as a tight end, but he has that versatility. He has the size, and you know, I, I think the tight end depth, though, you know, obviously with the the signing that they had in the off season, and then you know with the guys they you know, drafted last year and Trey McKitty and a few other ones, but I think there's, there's, there's still a chance for him to make it there. I mean, there really isn't like locked in three or four guys. It's kind of literally, you're probably locked in with, um, what Trey McKitty and, um, Everett Parham. Everett. Thank you, Gerald Everett. Those are probably your two locks. Other than that, I think it's, it's pretty open. So he may have a shot.
0: I, I think he has a shot if they go four tight ends, if they go three, I don't see him being able to go above Donald Parham, uh, Everett. Yeah,
1: Parham's Maybe. probably close to a lock too. That's right. Just, I mean, as a red zone threat and whatnot, and you know they did. Yeah, plus now as a your... fan favorite, man,
0: everyone loves some chicken parm. Yeah, chicken parm. That's right. So, so that's yeah. uh that's gonna do it. So we went through a ton of guys. I think we went through what seven rounds. We went through, I think, five different UDFA's that possibly could make this team. Uh, they literally signed like fourteen. They got like a kicker, center, tackle. They have all yeah. kinds of guys. Um, I haven't had a chance to watch all of them, but the ones that I have probably about two thirds of them. The ones I mentioned are probably the ones I like the most. Um, Ryan, tons of stuff. We went over, appreciate you coming on, uh, as a former LAFB member, also <coughs> founder of LAFB, uh, tons of fun stuff coming up here in the next week or two for both LAFB, as well as for charges unleashed. We may have some special guests coming, we may have some mm-hmm. giveaways. We may have some events, stuff coming up for training camp, uh, Lots to be excited about. So tons of content. Anything you want the listeners, viewers to know or to see from an LAFB perspective or from a Ryan Diary perspective?
1: I think you hit it. I mean, just, you know, we appreciate all the support, you know. And, you know, Mia is trying to give me my LAFB hat. So good product placement there. Uh, yeah, we. Just, you know, it's it's this you know called the dead time the dark time from may till july where there's really nothing going on but you know the train doesn't stop with with lafb i think we got a ton going on and yeah that's a good segue to that
0: ah so there she, go. she loves it thank here's you here's mia guest appearance your guest appearance, here's your guest <laughs> appearance. <laughs> dan wolkenstein ryan diridge special guest mia in the house for lafb guys thank you so much Say for hi. tuning in uh this has been so much fun ryan thank you so much for coming on man always a pleasure
1: Always do. Thanks for having me. We'll be doing cross crossovers like this all off season long and into the season. So thank you.
0: You name it. All right. Again, you guys can find Ryan at Ryan Dirude L A F B on Twitter, myself at ChargersHomer. Again, you can find us on Twitter at L A C underscore unleashed. Go ahead and hit that like, Subscribe if you guys found us on YouTube. Find us there. Anywhere you get your podcast, you name it. We're there for you. Thank you guys so much. Bolt up and we'll talk to you guys next time on Chargers Unleashed.